Alright guys, thanks for listening to another Not The Top 20 podcast with me, Ali Maxwell, and him, George Ellick. The championship returned this weekend, which gives us three leagues to talk through. Uh, it's one of those <clears throat> slightly awkward situations where we have a full set of midweek fixtures so uh, if we say too much then we can end up looking pretty stupid in about 48 hours time so try and expect uh, a bit of a general analysis on the teams that we discuss Uh, i wanted to give a a weird but friendly shout out to the swedish listeners Uh, i was checking the stats earlier because we got a great message from a swedish listener called oscar and yeah we've got quite a big uh, swedish listener base george so uh, shout out to you guys let us know where you're listening from if it's not from sweden you can tweet us at ntt20 pod i wish i'd known that before i went to stockholm yes could have had an ntt20 party in stockholm someone might have bought you a beer or two which given the prices topical gambler stan very expensive place good cultural knowledge that um yes and any, any any swedes listening please do let us know any Swedish Alsvenskan players that you think could do a job in the EFL, because we're always on the lookout for that. Uh, Sweden, our fifth most popular country, uh, behind the UK, the USA, Australia and Ireland. So Sweden in number five. George, in terms of UK cities that listen to the podcast, in order, London obviously first. Try and tell me what might be in the top five outside of London. Well, naturally, I only really care about what's 21st and below, really. Nice um, touch. Okay, well then you won't be worried about Nottingham, Manchester, Birmingham, and Sheffield, which are uh, which round up, round off rather the top five. So no Leeds, Reading, or Sunderland in there. Leeds, <laughs> Leeds is just behind Sheffield, to be fair, but two teams in Sheffield. So uh, there you go. Um, anyway, we'll get into the championship. It was the Second City derby on Sunday, George. We watched it together in a pub in London and Aston Villa beat Birmingham 4-2. We thought there'd be goals when we spoke about this game on Thursday's betting show. Probably didn't think that over 5.5 would be landing. Um, but yeah, what did you think of the game? What did you make of it? I thought it was a great game. Um, I thought that it had everything you'd want from a, uh, from a derby game. I think the referee may not be too popular with either sets of fans, but I think the way he managed the game in terms of not giving, dishing out the, the tickets early on um, was probably a good call because I think there could have been one within the first minute. Um, and Keaton Bell t- sky- scything down uh, Jack Grealish within yeah. the first minute. Grealish fouled 10 times in the game. <laughs> no surprises there. But, that uh, is incredible. But uh, no, I, I, thought, I thought it was great. Uh, um, some Villa um, players impressed me. I thought Tammy Abraham gave a very well-rounded uh, performance. A lot of things he did that I didn't necessarily think he had in his locker, really. Um, uh, some good wing play, some good... Some, kind of tidy feet to get past players as well and I think given you know, the fact that Jonathan Codger isn't a winger either I think him showing that he's got that ability to to pull wide and, and let Codger take up that central area can only be a really good thing going forward so I think a, a fluidity in their attack is going to be really important it's a constant source of frustration for me watching Villa uh, when Jonathan Codger has the ball on the left wing uh, the, the whole sort of attack just stops at that point and it's whether Codger can cut inside through three players and get a shot at goal. Yeah, it, of course. It, it is quite but tedious, at, but I at find. at the same time, you know, he pops up with that really important goal from a central area and, and whilst he's not going to provide much on the left, you've got Grealish who, mm. who is you know, supposedly playing in, in a midfield three there but he's actually pulling out wide to the left very, very often. If you have a look at his pass map... I suppose the, that is the argument the majority playing of him out wide, Exactly. It? Yeah. Um, it, it's a really fluid formation. It's something we've seen uh, with Brentford before and I think that... Uh, Dean Smith is going to be the guy who'll be able to get all those players playing in a, in a functional attacking shape and then when they're having to defend and um, get them all set up in, a, in, a, in their positions properly so I was impressed by Villa um, with Birmingham it, it's, it's, it's difficult to really say I don't think you can be too aggrieved if you're a Birmingham fan I think they were beaten by the better team 
Um, I think that obviously hitting the post at one nil was a, was a massive game changer. If that if Shea Adams can steer that in, then they're two 0 up, and, and it's probably a different game. But um, you know their, their dominance at set pieces was fairly evident. Um, they scored two goals at, at Villa Park, which not many teams will do. I just think at the end of the day that the, the team with more quality ended up coming out on top. Yeah, I think it was a real shame for them that Hotter was unavailable. Uh, I mentioned on, on the betting show that I didn't think Gary Gardner was a particularly good replacement from a Birmingham point of view for his brother Gary. And Craig. You know, that, sorry, Craig <laughs> came in for Gary yeah. and I didn't think had a particularly good game. Um, but yes, the loss of Hotter was, was a huge problem for them because actually there's not that much to be scared of uh, aside from the front two when Hotter isn't playing he's that sort of second dimension to the attack and they were lacking that uh, and, it, and it meant that Neil Taylor had himself a fairly easy game I thought Gab Sutton of the Football Lab wrote a very good piece a very good review of this game and I think you know you said they, they can't be too disappointed Blues I think that there was there was one thing that Gab wrote about that I sort of nodded along to which I hadn't necessarily thought at the time which is that Birmingham's second goal which made it 3-2 which sort of brought them back to within one goal it didn't actually follow a period of pressure from uh, the, the Birmingham team nor did it inspire a dramatic final half an hour there's still half an hour to go at that point and that I think would be the most disappointing thing for me um, you know whether the goal was part of a, um, a period of pressure or not you would hope or you would yeah you'd really expect I think that your team would then try and use that in-game momentum to, uh, to at least create something else. And they didn't really do that, which is a shame. But maybe that speaks to Villa's um, smarts, game management. They, they saw the game out very well. So, yeah, disappointed I was by, by Birmingham after a good start and uh, a very good result for Villa. Um, ever since you've tipped them for promotion, they're looking quite good. The only other note I had from this is getting a bit angry. With, I was just getting a bit wound up with um, all the Hutton dressed as Larm gags. Just too many of them. Too many people making the same joke and trying to pretend it was original. That joke's been being made for about five, six years now. I went back on my Twitter timeline. The first tweet that said Hutton dressed as lamb by someone I follow uh, was back in 2014. So I think we're pretty much over that. And also it doesn't make sense because if you're saying that lamb's really good, then surely it would be lamb in a Hutton disguise scoring that goal, not Hutton dressed as lamb. Because just dressing up as lamb wouldn't make him particularly good yeah you said it on uh, on Sunday afternoon and it's still true today but uh, <laughs> one thing on that Hutton goal if I was a if I was a Birmingham fan um, it would really irk me because not only is that a goal that's now going to be etched in into folklore in this game it wasn't actually that good no, um, it no, wasn't. like obviously he did you know if you pick up the ball 15 yards into your own half and you end up bending in with, with your wrong foot you've done something right but the defending was absolutely atrocious and especially in a derby game like that, you just do not give someone of, of that limited skill and limited pace the, 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 this time and the space just to waltz through you like that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously Villa fans, for Villa fans, it's going to be a goal for the ages. But for Birmingham fans, it's going to be one of those where it was just so easily avoidable. Just take the yellow card, just do anything just to bring him down. Don't let him uh, within you know, 12 yards with a shot. Yeah, definitely. Really excited about the game at St Andrews later on in the season. Uh, for balance, I mentioned Hotter missing for Birmingham. Of course, John McGinn was missing for Aston Villa, probably been their best player so far this season. So I'm not saying that uh, you know, it was unfair or anything, just a shame from a, from a Birmingham point of view. George, talk us through Stoke 2, QPR 2, because you were at that game in the away end, in and amongst the QPR fans, which is, uh, might be a surprise to, to some of the listeners. Not sure we've... Not sure we've really nailed our colours to the mast in terms of QPR. I mean, it's not you're not a QPR fan. No, I'm, you just I, thought it'd be more fun I to was, be in the away end. It was geographically 
um, a, an easy game to go to. And uh, I was alongside a friend who, who wanted their QPR to win the game. So you end up being in your way fans, which is actually, I think if you're going to take in a game as a neutral, you either want to be, Definitely. Um, you know, either corporate or away. I think, <laughs> I think depending, on what corporate. Kind of, depending on what kind of day you're after, if you want, if you want to go in and have the full shebang and, uh, and get your meal in before, and you want, because you, you don't care what's going to happen. So. I shouldn't laugh because I have been to the Bet365 Stadium this season in corporate. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, there sorry. You go. Um, so, and I wasn't, I was in the away fans. But uh, it was, it was a good game. I, um, I wasn't expecting a good game. I backed QPR to win it, um, so got a bit excited when they uh, when they went one nil up. Um, but I think on the balance of play, it was from what I saw, it was fairly uh, level. Um, a, a taxi train um, faux pas meant that I, I did miss uh, more of the game than I wanted to towards the end of it. Um, but a few standout things. I mean, Joel Lynch. I tweeted during the game um, just how poor he was. It was you know, it, I, I think he can take all of the blame for their first goal, passing it out um, straight to Tom Ince, who actually did very well to set up the goal. I, you know, it looked like it may have been a foul by Joe Allen on, on Lynch on the line, um, you know, bundling him over uh, before Saida um, Berahino got the, the easiest goal of his career. Mm. Um, and I was disappointed. So I was disappointed with Lynch. I was disappointed with Luke Freeman, who's a, who's a player I really, really like. And, you know, it's no, I wasn't going there to see him. He's no surprise to me. I've seen him play a lot of times, but he... Um, was fairly ineffective, really. Um, he, he kept trying to dribble out of trouble and, and losing it. Um, he wasn't particularly creative, but um, very easy was, was quite clearly the standout player for QPR in my book. Um, he, it's the first time I've seen him play 90 minutes live. I've seen him on TV, of course. Um, and the way he retains the ball, his, his drive, his dribbling ability, the way the ball sticks to his feet. And what I really liked about him is when he gets tackled, he carries on scrapping and, you know, Seven times out of ten, he came out with the ball at the other end as well. And anyone who hasn't seen the goals uh, from the weekend, QPR's two goals, will see that he was the creator of both. The first one, really impressive, showing great presence of mind to, uh, to, to collect the ball after an overhit cross, take it wide, and then an unbelievable cross for Angel Rangel to mm. absolutely wallop home with his head. Uh, so easy was the star for me for, for, um, for QPR on, on the Stoke front. They, you know, they deserved to get back in the, in the game. I think at 1-0 down, they were... They were deservedly 1-0 down, but that goal seemed to wake them up and, uh, and they took the lead. Uh, James McLean was, was a huge thorn in, uh, in QPR's side down the left all game. Uh, hit the post as well with a really good header in the first half. Mm. Uh, he was very good. Joe Allen's role confused me. I do not know if there's room for Sam Klukas, Joe Allen and Ryan Woods all in the same team. I think that means that one or two players are playing a position that doesn't really fit them. I know that he scored the goal by making a late run into the box, but he's playing some kind of a weird hybrid inside forward role and it just doesn't really seem to fit. I think that he, you know, at his best, he's going to be playing in that Woods role just in front of the back four and keeping the ball simple. My notes here say Stoke better players, QPR better team. Do you think that's a fair thing to say? Not necessarily. I think, I think some of the Stoke players, uh, you know, should be better, but I didn't see anything to suggest that Ash Williams is a good footballer. Yeah. On, on Saturday, Bruno Martins Indy playing at left back, saw a lot of the ball, but I didn't really, I don't know what is, yeah. except for strength at set pieces, what's he really offering there? Um, again, Joe Allen didn't offer much. Um, if, uh, Berahino worked hard except for the goal. I mean, the goal was, was his goal just because mm. he, he managed to poke it over the line. Uh, Tom Ince was, was a bright spark. I say Ince and McLean were the, were the two players. Who, I'm going to give the right back Tom Edwards impressed. some credit as well. If, yeah, he, if, he, if he, Luke Freeman had a poor game, then maybe that was uh, partly definitely. to do with Edwards' strong marking. And he gets forward very well duels. as well. Uh, him and Ince combined well. So I think at the end of the day, this is one where it was, a, it was an entertaining game for a neutral in the away fans. Um, I think it was probably a fair result and I don't think either team will be troubling either the top six or the bottom six come the end of the season. Nice. Well, uh, 
we've we've actually not spoken about Nottingham Forest for a few weeks, so we're going to do so now. We we did speak about them, I think, two weeks ago, but some technical issues meant I had to edit that whole section out. So uh, we haven't spoken about Forest for a while. Of course, they are one of the teams in and around it. Uh, they're in seventh at the moment with 30 points from 18 games, but recent form's been fairly good during what's been a, a, a difficult period in terms of fixtures as well. So they, they went to Hull on the weekend. They won 2-0. And yeah, I just thought it would be good to, to touch on Forest um, as some as one of the top teams that we haven't mentioned recently. Just sort of see where where you think they're where, where you think they are at the moment. Obviously, outside of the playoffs, but surely still looking upwards. And to my eyes, anyway, in the last few weeks, uh, improved, but not quite there yet. It, it strikes me that they are starting to represent a Karanka defence, which is, as we know, a very, very strong and effective thing at this level. That With that back four, the, the full-backs who are very solid, who are not you know, pulling up trees going forward, who are retaining their shape for the most part, with Colback and Jakob in front of them, that's essentially a back six plus the goalie, so a back seven, uh, and then it's up to the front four. But that, that's the issue for me, that... They scored two against Hull. The first one was very, you know, they were grateful for some really poor uh, defending there and then a deflected goal for the second. It strikes me they've still got a level to go up in an attacking sense, but I wonder whether they will because Karanka sides that we know of have have almost never gone up that extra level. Um, And and whether that will matter because, you know, Middlesbrough promoted under Karanka, never reaching that sort of high attacking level that I'm talking about there. So... Um, yeah, any thoughts on, on Forest at this stage? Yeah, I'm still not necessarily convinced. Um, you and I both have a limited view, a dim view of Hull. So going away and winning 2-0 um, isn't, isn't a massive win for them. Um, I, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I mean, Lewis Graben is, is, is Nottingham Forest at the moment going forward. I mean, Joe Lolly is having a, a great season, don't yeah, get me wrong. Yeah, Graben and Lolly. No, but I, I still think that without, without Graben... You know, he scored 10 goals now this season. And if you think that he, he had, you know, I think he was goalless in his first three. So mm. um, it, it's, and they're a team who aren't going to score many. Um, you've mentioned the defence, which now looks very solid indeed. They're, they're not conceding many goals in the league at all. I think it's just one in their last five, and that was where it leads, which mm. is which is fair enough. And well, that's why I think you might be being a bit hard. I mean, just to focus on the whole result, I understand, because that's the weekend we've just had, but... Decent results previously in the in the last month or two against Sheffield United, who they beat a draw at Leeds, of course, which should have been a win really with the handball goal, a win at Borough as well. These results are saying to me that this is very much a team that can mix it with the big boys. Definitely, and it'd be unfair of me to sit here consistently saying I think that Middlesbrough are promotion contenders because of their defensive record and ignore what Nottingham Forest are doing. However, I'm not necessarily convinced that the personnel they have at the back uh, is good enough to maintain it. I don't think that Colback and Jakob um, are necessarily a duo that I think that more technical midfields won't find a way through um, screening that back four. I don't think they have the attacking power necessarily as much as, as I do rate Lolly and Graben to, uh, to cause tr- that much trouble on the counter-attack. They're doing very well at the moment. Um, the Sheffield United win looked very impressive at the time, um, but the fact that Sheffield United since then have travelled to Rotherham and barely registered as a team despite scoring two, two goals, I think everyone who was there, including Chris Wilder, um, has said that it, they were very fortuitous indeed to get a point there despite Rotherham's late equaliser. So there could be issues with, with, with Sheffield United's away form. Um, but no, you have to give them credit, uh, definitely. But you asked me if, I, if my view of them has changed. Yes, uh, in that Karanka has certainly got them functioning as a good defensive unit. Is that enough to propel them to the expectations that fans uh, had before the season started? 
I'm not so sure. I think they might um, come away from Villa Park uh, slightly disappointed on Wednesday evening. Good stuff. Preston beat Blackburn 4-1. Really eye-catching result in the championship on Saturday. Nick, Preston fan at the game, said we came flying out the blocks. It was 2-0 before Rovers could settle. Uh, But they got back into it. Preston had to grit their teeth at times, but won the midfield battle. George, this is much more like it from Preston in recent weeks. Much more what we hoped off the back of a, of a lofty prediction of, I think, sixth. This is much more what we hoped for at the start of the season. It is, yeah, definitely. Um, I think that, you know, the injury to Callum Robinson's a, a massive blow to them. I think it was announced today. He'll be out for three months, uh, having scored against uh, both Bristol City and Blackburn in the last two games. Uh, in both games, he ran over to the opposition fans with, with his hand to his ear, so he won't be able to do that again for a few months. But um, it's, you know, it's, it's bad news for them. Um, and uh, Lewis Malt coming on and uh, making an impact for them as well is really important given their issues up top. Um, we and, and I think the, the, the player who consistently stands out for me whenever I watch um, Preston's highlights, extended highlights, is Alan Brown. Mm. Um, who's doing Two assists and a goal on the weekend. He is very, very lively. Yeah. Um, he's a player who I think uh, kind of encapsulates what this, this Preston team is all about. Um, full of energy, full of endeavour and, and a lot of quality as well to boot. Um, I sat here a couple of weeks ago, no, a couple of months ago, and said there had to be concerns uh, about Alex Neal's previous in taking over teams, going through a hot streak and then not being able to turn it around. And he has rammed those words down my throat because turn it around they have. They're on, on an unbeaten run and they're on the way up the table. And, uh, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see their game against Middlesbrough. Um, a clash of styles, a clash of, of, of um, mentalities, two teams who will be full of confidence going into it. Mm. Um, arguably the game of the week, I reckon. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes. Yeah, I should mention those of you who uh, enjoy the betting show, those of you who enjoyed a very successful betting show this weekend and got involved with some of our picks. Uh, we will be making a couple of unofficial midweek EFL action picks later on in the podcast. So uh, if that's of interest to you, there are, as George said, some great games up uh, on the slate this midweek. So a couple of midweek picks um, sort of uh, to, to give a bit of betting show addition to the main show this week as well. Uh, stay till the end for that. I just wanted to give Ben Pearson a shout out. Someone uh, tweeted us before to say they were looking forward to Ben Pearson marking Bradley Dack out of the game. Uh, and I sort of laughed because we like Bradley Dack. We think he's very, very good. And I thought, well, he, he, <clears throat> he might sort of prove you a bit wrong there. But it was exactly as they said, Ben Pearson being called the best number six in the league by Alex Neal afterwards, absolutely had Dak in his pocket. That midfield of Pearson, Gallagher and Brown, who you mentioned, really does have everything when they're on form. So Preston doing very well. I think the, the only sad thing, not to be too much of a Debbie Downer, apart from the injuries, is that the it just makes the, the, their terrible start to the season look all the more confusing, all the more disappointing. They were a team without a huge turnover in the summer and that really made us feel like they were one of the teams that could really hit the ground running this season with a lot of teams coming in uh, a bit uneasy a bit uh, well not particularly sturdy so um, looking back on the early part of the season it it does seem a huge shame for Preston that they started so poorly and uh, uh, that's why they're having to, to make up so much ground now but thankfully for them they're starting to do so. George, Swansea lost 4-1 to the league leaders, Norwich City. Uh, Swansea previously the second best defensive record in the league, but some really poor mistakes at the back. If you're going to be a team that plays out from the back, then you know those mistakes will happen every now and again, and they stand out more than other defensive mistakes. I think that's worth saying. But from a Norwich point of view, they're the first team this season that's hit the top and not got the wobbles. 
I mean, that's a, that I mean, is that deserves an award in itself. It's hard to get the wobbles when you're gifted goals. I mean, it's unbelievable if you look. And this is to take nothing away from Norwich because a you've lot got of, a, a lot of teams exactly. got to finish. No, 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 I'm not taking anything away from them <laughs> because a lot of teams wouldn't have put away the chances. But the calamitous defending. Um, for both Sheffield Wednesday and Swansea, they lost to away games. I mean, they've scored four goals in each of their last three games. Mm. Um, I think the Millwall one was, was less necessarily uh, due to Millwall's shortcomings. Um, but Sheffield Wednesday and Swansea have both totally collapsed uh, when faced with, with Daniel Farker's um, Norwich against Swansea, those first two goals just absolutely horrific defending uh, there's another re- real way to put them um, really really awful stuff schoolboy and not something we, we'd expect from this Swansea team at home where they've been so strong so I mean it's it's, it's brilliant for Norwich um, that they're flying high they've got a couple of very winnable games coming up in, in Holloway and, and uh, Rotherham at home um, they are you know the best team in the league at the moment and they're top mm. by right um, and a team who, who's free scoring who, whose goals are coming from all angles as well, it's hard to see them stopping. But uh, at the same time, you, you kind of feel like this winning run um, just cannot continue and surely teams are going to stop lying down in front of them. Yeah, it seems like we're mentioning a different player each week, but I wanted to just mention Emi Buendia. Uh, Buendia, the Argentine, plays uh, off the wing really, m- mostly for Norwich, but can play as a number 10 as well. Uh, a fascinating piece on his journey on his career so far written by Adam Brandon on Twitter we shared that on Sunday at NTT 20 pod so if you want a, an interesting long read about a, a, an Argentinian playmaker who left Argentina at 11 years old which is just terrifying uh, to move to Spain to move to Real Madrid uh, and now is ripping it up at Norwich age just 21 then do so Adam makes a good point in it which I thought was interesting there aren't that many Argentinian players in the EFL but um, you know, Forestieri, of course, springs to mind. Jakob at Nottingham Forest, but <clears throat> there are certain stereotypes I think about small RG uh, attacking players in the UK, and, and they're probably not fair. Adam writes very well about you know the sacrifices that these guys make, the 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 in many cases the extreme poverty they come from in Argentina, and often the, the stereotypes don't really stack up. Buendia is a fantastic example. He's a brilliant. Uh, he's brilliant part of the Norwich press. Uh, he's he's got. You make it sound like he writes for the East Anglian Times. There, <laughs> <laughs> he's a brilliant part of the Norwich high press. Um, he's uh, he, he he's making a very high amount of tackles for an attacking player uh, in the league this season. He's a great dribbler with an over sixty percent dribble success rate, which is always a sign, from my point of view. That's my sort of. Uh, mark of a very very good dribbler but he he picks the right times to do so he's a clever passer and he's proving his worth in a, in a very good team so I, I just wanted to mention Wendy interesting uh, background and in the last month as he's grown into his uh, place in the Norwich team he's become one of many Norwich players that they've signed from abroad uh, that look like inspired signings and almost certainly make the club a lot of money going forward so uh, good times for Norwich we spoke about and I wanted to mention this here uh, that I appeared on The Reaction, which is the Quest, uh, Quest TV's live digital show that reacts to the EFL afternoon football on a Saturday at 7.15pm on their Twitter and Facebook pages. Quest, of course, show the EFL highlights at 9pm. Um, it's, a, it's a channel available on Freeview, so... If you weren't aware of that, then obviously make sure that you're not missing that highlights show at 9pm on a Saturday. But uh, from an NTT20 point of view, uh, it looks like they would like me to be part of their uh, reaction coverage on that digital show 
on Saturday. So if you head to my Twitter at the Makalele Roll or NTT Twenty Pod as well, you can watch back Saturday's show. And uh, please do send in any suggestions for next week. Please do make sure you're tuning in at seven fifteen on a Saturday because uh, there's always plenty to get through. And uh, with Colin Murray, the presenter and whichever uh, EFL expert pundit is there as well. Uh, it's always great fun. So really enjoyed that, and thanks to all those who sent very kind messages. The late game on Saturday, George, actually, funnily enough, while we're doing that show, this game is normally just finishing. Brentford-Middlesbrough on Saturday, and just as you predicted on the betting show, Middlesbrough went to Brentford and did, as far as I can tell, exactly what you thought they were going to do. Pretty, uh, I wouldn't say routine stuff, but in the sense of how you thought the match was going to play out, it, uh, it very much did so. Yeah, I think that, that they, Middlesbrough came and did a job on them, really. They allowed Brentford to retain the ball for large periods of the game without really really threatening. Um, and when they got the ball forward, they did it quickly and into the box fast and, and finished finish their chances. Um, Brentford, in fairness, did try and come back from 2-0 down. They got a goal back and then had chances to, um, to get an equaliser but couldn't quite get one. Uh, but this... It's, it's easy to get down about Brentford now because it's been a tough run of results. I'm going to stop you there. Darren tweeted us, this just sets up what you're about to talk about, give a bit more colour to it. And thank you, as ever, to everyone who sent in their Sunday scouting reports. Darren, Bees fan, says, Bees are sleepwalking into a relegation battle I'm not sure we're equipped for. Frank needs a win in the next couple of games or he's a goner for me. The rot set in before he took over, but he was a part of that setup, and nothing has changed in his six games. The headline phrase there, sleepwalking into a relegation battle. Your thoughts on that, George? I think there's as much chance of Brentford going down as, uh, as, as me from the championship. I don't think there's any, there's any, <laughs> I think there's any chance as at you, all. Sorry, as you going down as from me, the championship. As me being relegated, yeah. Right. Um, well, if you keep up some of these bad opinions, mate, well, no, I just, we'll get you down. I don't think it's going to happen. I think Brentford have been on the wrong end of the wrong side of the coin a lot of times this season, which is, you know it seems to happen a lot to them and then there is probably an underlying issue there but you know again the, the performance analysts the data guys out there have Brentford as a very good team which which means in layman's terms even if you don't buy into the data that they create a lot of chances and they don't concede too many um, I think that confidence is obviously low at the moment um, I think that the fact that they have somewhat lost their, 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 their good form of Griffin Park mm. two losses in their last three isn't particularly good um, knowing the the people who make the decisions at Brentford, not personally, but knowing who they are. Um, I'd be surprised if, if Thomas Frank was a goner any time in the next couple of months because they'll know him very well and he is one cog in a machine. And, and you know, he's right. Where, where the, the Rot has said him before and I think everyone um, has to buy the, bear the brunt for that. But this project isn't going to be ripped up overnight. Um, that they, you know, they've still um, got fantastic players uh, you said on uh, you said on talking about the project isn't going to be ripped up overnight. I think that was you talked about bees on Thursday night on Talk Sport when you were on kickoff with Natalie Sawyer and Kieran Richardson, um, and I think you you basically said I'm absolutely positive that Brentford under this ownership will reach the Premier League at some point, not necessarily this season, not necessarily next season, but at some point. I mean, Kieran Richardson, it it, it, it sounded like you'd it was it was <laughs> like the most surprising thing you'd ever heard. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know how much. Kieran looks at the championship these days, but no, no. I mean, it's. I believe in it, so um, so I'm going to say that I have massive concerns now that that it's been it's been too many years now, too many seasons where this happens time and time again. There's got to be an issue somewhere. I'm sure there are people behind the scenes who are working very hard to rectify that. However, I mean, there, there is not not for a second 
like absolutely no way is a Brentford over the course of a season going to pick up less points than Bolton, going to pick up less points than Reading, going to pick up less points than Hull. It's just, it's Ipswich. It's, it's not going to happen. Um, there, there will be too many matches this season where Brentford are so comfortably the better team, even if they squander chances, they'll still come out on top. Um, and whilst it's a tricky run of games coming up, two of them at home, although, and we just mentioned Sheffield United's struggles on the road, so it's going to be an interesting one tomorrow night. Chris Wilder has rallied the troops today in the press, mm-hmm. saying that, uh, that the means of their defeat was very disappointing to him. However, after that comes a run of games where they have Holloway, Bolton at home, um, Bristol City away, Birmingham away. Whilst three of them are away from home, those are four teams who are not performing particularly well at the moment. And um, I think that come, you know, come January, if things haven't turned around a little bit, then, then there's some cause to be concerned. I'd still be absolutely amazed if they're anywhere near the uh, the bottom six come, you know, the, the business end of the season. But, um, you know, they have to, I'm sure they will, they have to get results pretty soon. Yeah, they, they certainly missed Remain Sawyer, as you talked about, a lot of a lot of play, a lot of possession, but not enough thrust. And that's certainly what uh, Remain Sawyer's brings. From a Borough point of view, what a player Mo Besic is proving to be at this level. When he hits form, he has got absolutely everything and uh, showing a lot more going forward, I think, than we expected when he signed uh, from Everton. Besic, really fantastic on the weekend. Jordan Hugill, uh, we've spoken about him perhaps fitting the team better than Asomba Longa. That's certainly proving to be the case. He got another goal on the weekend, but he held the ball up well and he <clears throat> gave, gave it, well, made it a tough time for Mepham and for Konza. Uh, Marcus Tavernier, the, the youth product, looking bright, playing from the start, uh, heading in across from Dale Fry, another youth team um, player, another youth team graduate. So uh, that is not necessarily something that Tony Pulis is known for or, or yeah, is perceived to be um, someone who, who puts faith in young players. But in this case, he did so and he was... Um, you know, he got his reward for it. So that's fantastic to see Tavernier and Fry, both of them very much involved in the England youth team. So these are uh, talented young players and it's great to see them playing well. I I do think with Borough, the funny thing is that it's a really impressive win going to Brentford and winning and they've had really impressive results throughout the campaign. But because everyone knows about Tony Pulis, because everyone knows that they're so good at the back, because everyone knows that their patterns of play going forward are not necessarily pretty but tend to be quite effective there's not necessarily on a week-to-week basis, not, there's not always anything you can add to it. I know that there's a Borough podcast set up by Borough, Borough fans that basically took a month off because they were like, you know, even if we're winning games, there's not that much to add. So <laughs> that sort of sums it up. But of course, they're doing fantastically well. Middlesbrough, they're in second place at the moment. It's hard to imagine that they will um, drop off drastically. Let's rattle through a couple of short ones. Leeds beat Bristol City 2-0. Um, couple of sort of bits to this. Dan, who was at the game, says both teams were poor for 60 minutes. Of course, that's when Bristol City went down to 10 men. Leeds huffed and puffed, but not much doing. The red card opened things up. Saif came on and there was only one winner after that. No idea what Bristol City were trying to do. They didn't get one shot in on our rookie debutant keeper. So another Leeds injury uh, crisis led to uh, Will Huffer playing in goal, debutant, youth team graduate, and a very young Finnish defender um, called Halmer playing in, at the back as well, but very much keeping a clean sheet. You can kind of see where he's coming from there. Bristol City not doing enough to test those guys. I would have liked to see this stay 11 v 11 because 
I'm not convinced that Leeds necessarily would have won it. Um, but it was interesting seeing Saeed come off the bench. I, I want to see him starting. I'm not sure the exact circumstances for him having been on the bench for the last four or five games. I know he's inconsistent, but from my point of view, Leeds with Saeed in the starting eleven are just such a different prospect to Leeds with. You know, If he's not playing, and Forshaw is... It's basically a four-five-one with, with with Phillips, Click, and Forshaw. You know, it's not. We've said before that they've got too many players of that similar ilk, and I think at the moment, um, <laughs> I think Marcelo Bielsa is just struggling to find a way. I mean, Pablo has to play. Um, I think Alioski is playing very well at the moment, so probably. I think Pablo's playing very well at the moment. He is. No, no, I don't, but, I don't but, like Alioski. But I think as generally, much. Pablo, when Pablo's fit, he plays. Mm. You know, regardless of form, um, Alioski works incredibly hard doesn't definitely doesn't have the, the you know the technical qualities of sites i mean i'm a huge sites fan as well but maybe we're just seeing a, an understanding that those four players cannot play at the same time mm. um baffled to see in my, in my mentions this week Leeds fan a Leeds fan saying that kim Roof needs to be needs to be dropped or they need to bring in a new striker um right. you know roof absolutely flying great to see him back in the goals again and uh, i think he's showing the championship um, just how good a, a goal scorer he is. Definitely. Shout out to Rotherham, Bolton and Reading, who all got very good points this weekend. Rotherham's particularly eye-catching against Sheffield United. Uh, they got the late equaliser, but as Chris Wilder said himself, deserved to get all three points. Really fantastic recent form for Rotherham. Bolton played very well at, at Millwall and Reading. Uh, ground out a draw at Wigan, possibly slightly fortunate there. And good wins for West Brom and for Derby with varying levels of comfort. West Brom not truly tested by Ipswich, I think it's fair to say. And Derby doing well to come back from behind. A fantastic goal from uh, Marriott showing his his incredible striker's instinct. Fantastic first touch, great pace to get away from the defence and a fantastic finish. And Wilson as well with a good goal. This week, it's midweek action Plenty of highlights in the Championship, so get excited. Uh, Brentford, Sheffield United, Preston, Middlesbrough. And on Wednesday, Villa versus Forest, Wigan versus Blackburn. Huge game that for, for not the top 20. We've been talking about Wigan and Blackburn in the same breath for 18 months, so fascinating to see how that one goes. Swansea, West Brom and Stoke v Derby. In League One, we're going to start at the bottom, George, because... Unfortunately for Yellows, Bradford were one of three teams at the bottom of the table who picked up massive wins and made this relegation battle all the more interesting. So big wins for Plymouth, for Wimbledon and for Bradford. We'll start with Plymouth under Derek Adams, you know, certainly not flying up the table like they did last season, but every time they really need a win before things start to get a bit too worrying, they seem to do so. And uh, Freddie Ladapo has eight goals in nine games. <laughs> I feel like Freddie Ladapo owes, owes me a pint. Um, ever since I said that, uh, yeah, anyway, he couldn't score. He's he's been scoring for fun. Um, and it's no surprise to see this from from Derek Adams as Plymouth. Uh, you know, he's shown that he is adept to getting a team to to fight when when on the rails. Um, they're never going to go down. You know, without a fight, they deserve their win as well. But mm, by all accounts, definitely. against Fleetwood, Fleetwood's form is starting to be a bit troubling. Yeah. Um, starting to concern me a little bit. Um, they, they've you know, in their last three games, they have uh, picked up just the one point, and against Gillingham, uh, Walsall, and Plymouth, that's a really poor return. Um, so Joey Barton's fleet would need to need to wake up pretty soon, or they could be finding themselves in in, in these conversations at the bottom end of the table, especially mm. as you mentioned with with teams at the bottom picking up points. Um, Plymouth now on 16, 16 points, just two points off uh, getting out the relegation zone. Even Bradford, who 
you know, in my mind, were cast adrift just four points off as well. It wouldn't surprise me hugely if the relegation picture changes quite a lot um, in, the, in the next few weeks. I think there are teams up in mid-table, uh, the likes of Walsall, the likes of Wickham, the likes of Fleetwood, uh, Rochdale, uh, Shrewsbury, who could quite quickly find themselves in these conversations, whereas, you know, Bradford... Uh, Plymouth all have all you didn't have. mention Scunthorpe there I thought that was the most obvious one maybe because you've mentioned them so well, many yeah, times in, in, my, in my head they're already there I right. think I um, thought you were going to say I wouldn't be surprised if none of the bottom four ended up getting relegated which would have been an amazing shout but you're, you're not going to say that just yet no I, I think that the AS Wimbledon um, I think all four have, have obvious shortcomings I'm not going to think that Bradford you know despite the fact Bradford did get a very um, good away point before the win against Oxford against, against Peterborough um, but I think that going to Kenilworth Road tomorrow night could not have come yeah. at a worse time for them a team really looking to build momentum going to the team who are, who are just rampant at the moment so that's going to be tricky but as I say I, I think that now you know, in the last couple of weeks it's looked like those bottom four or five including Oxford have been the worst five teams in the league I now think the relegation battle has opened wide up um, all the way up to, yeah, to, to Walsall who are on 27 points at the moment so 10 points clear of it um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they were in the conversation, at least in a, in a few weeks' time. In very exciting times. Uh, Charlie, who's a Wimbledon fan, says a win is a win. That that can't literally can't be argued. Um, the performance by Dons was pretty poor, especially in the first half. But in the second half, we came back well. It helped us that Southend are very poor. They never look like doing anything. Southend's season being ruined by injuries, I think it's fair to say, and, and really robbing them of any sort of uh, any sort of run that they could put together any sort of uh, um, cohesion which is a real shame for Chris Powell's men um, Wimbledon's winning goal was a cross uh, from Ethan Pinnock but he has been a key player for them in, in recent weeks Russell Slade is the current favourite for the Wimbledon job which everyone including myself uh, seems a bit baffled about um, any thoughts on Russell Slade to Wimbledon? Baffling okay yeah n- not one for me that I would be pretty angry if I was an F's Wimbledon fan and you got rid of Neil Ardley and replaced him with Russell Slade. Well, we'll go into a bit more depth if and when that happens. Just last word on Bradford. I think it was unfortunate timing for Oxford to go to Valley Parade on Saturday and play that Bradford team. They've obviously been poor in almost every game this season. Alex, Bradford fan, says, uh, our new war horses, Caddis and Henry, gave us real bites, turned it into a scrap, and we wanted it more for the first time this season. That phrase, we wanted it more, is a, is a real, is a fantastic sort of fans analysis phrase. And you know instantly what's meant when, you, when a team wants it more and when a team doesn't want it more. And it's, and it's interesting to hear Alex say that because um, that's encouraging for a, for a Bradford side that really needed something. Uh, and on a day where they offered tickets for one quid as well and got 19,000 fans through the gates at at uh, Valley Parade, a day that Carl Henry made his debut, a player that I think will be a fantastic signing for them. I, I think he's, I think he's a much better football player than he gets given credit for. Partly because he's played for some um, fairly unfashionable teams, I think, throughout his career. He's 36 now, so he's getting on a bit, but he looks in, in decent shape. And from what I know about him as an individual, <laughs> from, <laughs> call me Carl. Uh, from <laughs> from what I know about him as an individual. Uh, he's also a, a great character that, that, that you need in these situations to come and um, you know drag a dressing room forward. Uh, I think a fantastic signing, really, from Bradford. So interesting to see how they kick on because that it seemed like the perfect storm. Really, new players, loads of fans through the gate supporting the team um, and enjoying what they were seeing for the first time, basically all season. At the top, we're not going to dwell too much. I don't think. 
Pompey didn't play during international break, but they did on the weekend. They're now four points clear. Yeah, another really good win. Uh, you look like you wanted to say something. Which well, is no, like, I was going to say that I'm going to talk about a couple of these teams at the end of the podcast. So um, you don't want to talk? We can talk about them now. No, no, we'll talk about. I'll talk about Pompey now. Oh, because um, of the you're going to talk about them because of the tips. Yes, because of the picks. I yes. should say. But okay. we'll talk about Portsmouth now. Pompey um, four clear and Luton up into fourth. You like both of those teams? Yeah, I really do. Um, and great to see. I, mean, I can't believe Elliot Lee's top goal scorer in Alpha Luton, which, mm. which took me by surprise. Um, but it just it says so much about them. They've got so many goals all over the park, Luton. Um, they really are looking looking pretty special at the moment. And, and anyone who didn't think they had the qualities to, to get back-to-back promotions has to rethink that because they are definitely part of the equation. Um, and Portsmouth, another fantastic away win. Um, you know, I was sweating on my on my tip of them to win their game I asked you afterwards if uh, if there was any danger at 2-1 you said none at all and from what I saw that was the case they are professional and um, and Fox punter Mike Holden on Twitter tweeted saying that you know interesting to see Kenny Jackett focusing on ones and ones and noughts rather than yeah. clean sheets because you're going to concede the odd goal but so long as it's not porous then you're absolutely fine yeah and, I really uh, like that that was con- interesting they'll continue that um, Luton's win came thanks in part to an amazing run from Harry Cornick for the third goal. Uh, Gareth Bale in the Copa del Rey final. Think of that. Um, and you're, you're not far from what happened. Cornick ended up hitting the post. Elliot Lee very much profiting from that. Uh, they beat Gillingham. Just a quick word. Barney, uh, who's a Luton fan, said, Gills rely far too much on hoofing it up to Eves. Um, uh, Gillingham are only a point above the relegation zone, which seems surprising. We've spoken about them uh, when they've had very good results this season, but not doing it consistently enough. And to be one point clear of the relegation zone with the league's top scorer just seems like he's clearly papering over some quite serious cracks. And they've got to be a bit worried there because I saw Blades Analytics, someone we like a lot on Twitter, saying, you know, there might be championship sides looking at Eves and thinking, you know, this is a, a target man, someone who wins aerial battles, someone who makes defenders' life hell, but is also uh, seemingly, unless he's just very fluky this season, but also looks like he's improved his finishing massively this season. So could be some interest in January. Barnsley, Sunderland and Peterborough, the other teams in the top five, they all drew uh, this weekend. Sort of differing types of draw. Posh going ahead in the 90th against Coventry and then conceding almost immediately. Very frustrating for Steve Evans, who famously once said his teams don't concede late goals. Uh, (laughs) Sunderland 2-0 down and a man down, coming back to draw 2-2. And Barnsley, second best, I think it's fair to say, against Doncaster. uh, And possibly happy to leave with a point. On Sunderland, Max Power sent off for the third time this season and he's had his red card overturned. So it would have been uh, a five-match ban because of a three-match ban and a four-match ban already served. That would have been 12 games missed through suspension, which I can't remember happening before. But it's been overturned, and I think we can assume the majority listening have seen the incident now or are able to pause the podcast and find the footage. And you were surprised to see this get overturned. You don't want to make a big deal out well, of it. It's, it's annoying for me that it's Sunderland because the initial reaction... Because it makes it look Sunderland. like... Yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, I, you know, good for them. It's, 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 it's a massive plus. They've got it. And it could be a good thing in the future this has happened or it could open a massive can of worms because as, as a fan of a team who've been in League One and League Two for, for the best part of a decade and before that in, in the even worse, the officiated um, non-league... The general rule is that you know you you appeal for these things and, and they don't go your way because it's a case of unless it's a case of mistaken identity there aren't enough um, camera angles or, or you, there isn't the zoom needed to really see for sure that that something was wrong. We've seen I, I, I tweeted about it earlier in the season when both um, Jamie Hansen and, and Toto and Siala were sent off for you know just 
terrible decisions and neither were, were overturned despite good looking uh, replays <laughs> so yeah yeah so um got your back there so it just it i i just cannot believe that this is one of those occasions where they've seen it fit to overturn it where you know power lost control of the ball um, he was then late into the tackle, but it didn't look particularly dangerous. But even so, um, he didn't touch the ball after he lost it and he went in second into the Walsall man. So it was a foul. I, I think anyone who says it isn't a foul has, has got to take the, the red tinted glasses off. Um, was it a red card? Probably not. I mean, I can't say for sure off the camera angle and that's, and that's the, the criteria. So if I was someone, I think pretty much every single manager in League One and League Two who's been in the job for any period of time will have felt aggrieved, including Jack Ross, you know, let's make that clear, will have felt aggrieved in the past about about harsh sendings off, not being overturned. So I, th- I think this one just, just points at two things. Either the fact that it's a third red card and therefore five games, they have felt like the punishment is therefore too much and so they've rescinded it, which is nonsense. Mm. It shouldn't be the case that. It should be a case-by-case basis. I mean, or, or they have, have pandered to pressure. I, I don't really understand what it is, but I think this is going to open up a bit of a can of worms now. Where if I, you know, if if on if tomorrow night an Oxford player has a similar incident, um, and I, I'm sure there will be one. Well, you had one this week. You know, but from now, mm. now that it's been given, if this week, I mean, yeah, we had one on Saturday mm. where again Hansen seemed to just run into the back of Knight Percival and fall over. I mean, I'm an Oxford fan. I'm happy to stand here and say, from what I've seen, there's there's no evidence whatsoever that it was a red card probably not enough that it wasn't either because the camera angle is so poor but it doesn't look like one and that wasn't overturned and that is genuinely just a guy it's an off the wall incident where a guy seems to run into the back of a man so how the night Percival could not be overturned but that can is unbelievable like, I'd love to know that the reasoning behind that unless it's just the five game ban so uh, yeah as I say I think either this midweek or on the weekend there's going to be one of them and um, and it's going to be pretty similar and I think that whoever the manager is will have every right to be pretty aggrieved when inevitably that appeal will be turned down. Sunderland playing Barnsley this midweek, very much with max power available for that one. Just want to touch on a few winning teams from the weekend who are also doing rather well recently. Charlton's home win made it three wins in a row for them. That was without Lyle Taylor as well. So um, the big question was, are they quite as good without Lyle Taylor? That's the first time he's missed a game this season and they did a very good job. Jamie Ward with a particularly good goal in that one. Joe Aribo, who uh, always seems like the, the guy that they need to to contribute goals from midfield uh, if Taylor and Ahern Grant aren't doing so uh, he chipped in with one as well Wickham have now won five home games in a row and they're into the top half which is remarkable uh, when you consider their start to the season when you consider uh, budget and all that sort of lark but not necessarily surprising because we've seen this Wickham side over the last few years uh, always compete and very much uh, a sort of team that does put together these runs so uh, hugely impressive stuff for Wickham they're in 12th now and Blackpool very much flirting with the playoffs after a fantastic win against Burton 3-0 winners Joe Dodu sparkling Nondoye scoring uh, this Blackburn side has kept 10 clean sheets in their 18 league games this season which is hugely impressive and will stand them in very very good stead as they try and uh, get a playoff spot try and be in the mix and, uh, up until the end of the season and we're heading into League 2 now so we've got League 2 we've got a team of the week we've got a few midweek picks so stick around there's still plenty more to come George starting with Macclesfield they're into double figures now beating Yeovil 1-0 off the back of a Michael Rose penalty um, happy days for Macclesfield in a week where they were linked to Sol Campbell 
what was your reaction when you saw that uh, that link, that article in the mirror <laughs> that seemed to spring up almost immediately after Sol Campbell met with the chairman? Have to wonder who tipped the journo off. Yeah, I, I you know maybe it was because it was a Friday afternoon and I was excited about my weekend, but I was all up for it. Um, <laughs> I, I just think that. Well, it, it's harder now to say this because Macclesfield have just have just got a really important win. But um, on Friday afternoon, it seemed like Macclesfield were heading back down to, to the National League um, with just one season back in the promised land of the, of the EFL. Um, and Sol Campbell is a person who who just isn't going to shut up until he gets a job. So for me, it just seemed, seemed like quite a good opportunity for everyone to everyone to win Macclesfield to get some much needed uh, publicity. I think inevitably they would have um, had a, had a game probably live on TV as soon as possible if Solo got the job, which would have helped with um, their budget in the National League next season, and so, <laughs> and Sol would have had an opportunity to prove to people that, despite his his somewhat bizarre uh, interviews he gives on 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 whether it's football or, or, or politics or kind of whatever's taken his fancy on his Twitter account uh, one day that he he is the amazing footballing brain that he that he claims to be yeah and if he isn't then um at least we can find that out and move on and and if he is then then Maxfield have played a blinder um but I guess maybe given that there's been no news since and given that Maxfield got that win on Saturday uh, maybe bringing in Seoul doesn't seem quite so appealing yeah slightly worrying times for Yeovil who they beat uh, Yeovil have only won one now out of their last 11 I think it is and starting to slide down the table towards the relegation battle. There was a remarkable, from a neutral's point of view, I think, reaction to Darren Way's new contract the manager signed uh, last week. Um, uh, You can't just go on social media, but the replies to that announcement were almost entirely negative, and that was uh, surprising to see. Dean, who was at this game, said that there was anti-Darren anti-Darren Wade chanting throughout that game as well. So um, certainly one to watch here. Yeovil also, of course, uh, with great injury problems. That early season form, uh, which was off the back of uh, players such as Jayasemi and Green going forward, Fisher as well scoring the goals, they were all missing on the weekend. So what it did mean is that we had a bit of a laugh. Uh, Marcus, who's a Yeovil fan, uh, said that uh, on at two pm they announced their starting lineup, and there was a new player in the starting lineup that hadn't yet been announced as a Yeovil player. Marcus said, announcing the starting eleven with a former Algerian youth international centre back who's not even yet been announced as a Yeovil player, and who most recently played in the Ukrainian Premier Division, is the most Yeovil thing ever. So step down. Adel Gafaiti. Um, he's actually a former Norwich youngster, so don't get too excited about all that, uh, all that Algerian youth international, Ukrainian Premier Division stuff. Apparently, he looked pretty good, according to Dean. So one to watch there. Uh, elsewhere, Crawley got a good win against Crew, mainly thanks to their goalkeeper. Uh, Glenn Morris, who is fantastic, uh, got to give a nod to Cambridge for equalising against Berry with ten men. Mansfield for equalising at Sinsel Bank in the ninety-third minute, and uh, Swindon who got an away win, which I know you'll be uh, thrilled about. We said after they lost their first game under Wellens 4-0 that that scoreline probably didn't reflect the fact that they had played very well in that game uh, and not to get too carried away, and this seems to have proven us right. Uh, And uh, great vibes at Cheltenham as well, who are seven unbeaten. It's one of those weird unbeaten spells that takes in two two checker-trade wins. Um, uh, It includes two games against Ebbsfleet in the FA Cup. In a way, not that impressive to need two games to beat them. But um, in the league, anyway, that's two wins in a row and, and some attacking football, which hasn't necessarily been on show at Cheltenham in the last few years. Yeah, I think uh, Mike Duff will tell you that these cup games were crucial to them turning it around because it enabled him to, to, 
you know, get some confidence into his players, get some goals into his players, and, and it's really paying off now. Um, they've had a mini revival earlier on in the season um, after a poor start, so it'll be interesting to see if they can maintain this. But at the moment, uh, it feels like Cheltenham is a, a pretty good place to be. Okay, good stuff. We're still yet to go through our team of the week. Many of you will have realised who that will be. Some of you will not have, but please do stay tuned. Uh, A very entertaining and impressive guest we had to talk about the team of the week. But first, we're going to talk about some midweek picks. Um, George, mine are a bit haphazard, so I'm going to go to you and say, uh, for the listeners who fancy a little tickle this weekend, uh, they're going to want to know who you fancy this midweek, I should say. Well, yeah, I've only kind of outlined um, one here. It's very interesting and you know, very interesting, very important in betting to, to bet with your head rather than your heart. And, and here, I've definitely bet with my head. Um, Is it Oxford? It's Sunderland against Barnsley. And, um, and it's the away team, Barnsley, um, who are best priced on odds checker at 15 to 8 with, with black type. Uh, it's, I'm not going to go into this for too long. Um, but since, you know, outlining some issues, in my opinion, with, with the Sunderland team, um, they then faced two teams I really don't rate in Wickham and Walsall, which was annoying because I really wanted to get against them. So both Wickham and Walsall went unbacked. Both of them obviously took a point, which is frustrating. Um, but it also just serves as, as, a, as a booster for me. I mean, I, I'm, I'm aware that, of the, the, you know, the situation at Walsall where Sunderland did very, very well indeed to come back from... 2-0 and a man down um, but at the same time they are still a team who who you know struggle to create good chances on a regular basis and, and give up a fair few of them so and this Barnsley team whilst they're not quite as formidable as they were early on in the season they're still a team who um, who really are unbelievably good at preventing teams from having good chances Doncaster did have them I think the Doncaster are a team that I've marked down as being one who I think will rise up the table pretty shortly um, so I think that that point and that performance maybe isn't quite as, as, as concerning as it looks right now. Um, I think that this game is basically tailor-made for Barnsley. Um, I, I think they will be pretty comfortable uh, at keeping Sunderland at arm's length. It reminds me a little bit this game of the Sheffield Wednesday Borough game we had earlier in the season where it's one team who I'm expecting to, to kind of start to slip a bit and, and another team who I think are very, very solid who will uh, manage the game well. And I think that Barnsley will have no issues creating chances. Um, I think they'll be solid at the back. Um, obviously, the fact that they're 15 to 8 away from home shows that the market rates them as a better team than Sunderland because it means they'll be heavy favourites on a neutral ground. Um, but I, I, yeah, I mean, Sunderland have dropped enough points at home this season for me not to be too concerned about the home advantage. My one concern has to be their unbelievable form in the last 20, 25 minutes of games. Yeah. They consistently um, come back from, from perilous positions, even to win games. Uh, Jack Ross has obviously installed a, a mentality with these guys where they do not stop believing. Uh, they keep running and, uh, and they've obviously got a knack of scoring goals. However, there's enough evidence for me to be tipping up Barnsley, surprisingly, some would think, at the Stadium of Light. Yeah, it's going to be an amazing game, that. Really looking forward to it. I don't, want to, uh, I don't want to be sort of demanding that people follow my picks when, if I'm completely honest, I haven't had enough time to go through um, them with as much depth as I would uh, for a Thursday betting show. Uh, what I will say is that there are some, some teams that I am going to look into uh, a bit further before Tuesday night. Uh, and I think that in the championship, there are some, there are some uh, quite enjoyable prices at least um, uh, I, I think that Rotherham Swansea Wigan 
Sheffield United and Middlesbrough, I'll certainly be digging a little deeper and I'm sure I'll pick a couple out of those um, to back on Tuesday night. I, I don't necessarily like going big on, on uh, midweek rounds of fixtures. I don't particularly know why, but I'll be mostly keeping my powder dry there. But there is, those are some teams in the Championship that I think are worth a look. Uh, George, before we say goodbye, we need to anoint our team of the week and introduce our listeners to a special guest who we spoke to earlier, who was rather entertaining. So go on then. We've gone for the conquerors of the MK Dons, Stephen Edge and their manager, Dino Marmria, who joined us on the phone. Uh, for those of you who've never heard Dino interviewed before, he is charismatic and entertaining and very eloquent as well and very open. So we had a chat with him about their season so far, about a couple of the players and, uh, and their good form against decent teams. And most recently, the 3-2 win against MK Dons. It's a privilege to be joined by the manager, Dino Mamria. A 3-2 win, Dino, against MK Dons on the weekend. And after a heavy defeat against Berry last week, what a fantastic way to remind the rest of the division just what a competitive side Stephen Ajar. Exactly that. I think, uh, I think it was a good opportunity for us after our disappointing defeat against Barry. Although I've got to say our defeat against Barry came after, after we got a man sent off the first half. Uh, Barry, a very good team, and uh, and then we uh, obviously we find it really difficult to get the results we need with with ten men against them. But uh, it was uh, it was a good opportunity for us and uh, a brilliant performance to bounce back from that defeat uh, against uh, the, the league leaders MK Dons uh, with a very good manager, experienced team. Uh, I thought it was fantastic at the weekend. You mentioned the 4-0 defeat to Bury. I mean, that, that came after a 1-0 defeat to Plymouth in the FA Cup and a 4-0 defeat in the Checker Trade Trophy midweek as well. So it was three defeats on the bounce. Did, did those Cup defeats have much of an impact on squad morale? Or are you happy to, to keep going after the two wins before them? Not really. We, uh, we look at uh, the Checker Trade, the EFL. We've been using it to uh, play some of the young players. Uh, so it's not a competition where we... It's a competition for our squad players, really. So I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put that out there as in you know that we got to get some experience we're using that competition to give the young players some experience uh, so the defeat against FC Wimbledon will be a Swansea 5 near as well and that doesn't really count a lot because uh, because we're using that for different reasons uh, yes Plymouth we lost Plymouth in 96 minutes last kick of the game in the FA Cup we were good to do that one because the FA Cup is a competition we're going to go far unfortunately for us it was uh, a tough game away to Plymouth uh, a long journey and, uh, and obviously the following weekend against Perry, I think uh, the two away results against Plymouth and Perry, they are disappointing results. But in all honesty, they they both away trips and both uh, two very difficult fixtures anyway. Uh, but we focus on, uh, we take every game as serious as we can. Uh, we are a small squad of players. Uh, we are in transition period as a football club. We've got 17 new players in, 19 players out. But we're doing fantastically well. We're one point off the third position place. It's a good start to the season beyond any expectation. And Dino, just want to ask your, um, the way that you set up your, your team heading into that game on the weekend. Only the second side to beat MK Dons and they've got even stronger in the last month or two. So what were the keys to victory on Saturday? What did you say to your players beforehand? If we do this, this and this we've got a very good chance of beating this, this team who are top of the table. Well, I think, uh, I think the, we learned from uh, Plymouth away and Berry away, uh, both top sides, and we've gone away from home, and we're almost hanging on to the game, not to lose the game. Uh, I've taught my players to take initiative on Saturday, show our intention from minute one that we're here to win the game. 
Uh, I know we can win the game uh, when we are our best. So our focus will just on us, really, what we can produce. We know what MK Dons will offer. We know their players. We know the way they play. But it's about what we're going to produce, uh, produce on, the, on the day. I thought our uh, our, our game uh, plan gone, to, uh, gone pretty well on Saturday. I thought we pressed them high. Uh, and we played football, we dominated possession because we know that with the ball they can hurt you. And I thought if we deny them the ball, they can hurt us without the ball. And uh, especially second half, we were brilliant second half and we totally dominated and uh, we ran through three two uh, winners deservedly and rightly so as well. Yeah, and the, the winning goal, of course, scored by Ben Kennedy, a fantastic free kick from just outside the box. Uh, Ben's a player that has... What is it? About 135 appearances already for Stevenage, age 21. Uh, clearly a, a great talent. Uh, in recent weeks, not always in the starting eleven as well, but uh, started from the beginning on the weekend and, and clearly playing right to the end, scoring a winning goal. Can you just talk about his last month or so, the, the reasons for him uh, not playing from the start in a few games and then the, the reasons why he did start against MK Dons on the weekend? Now Ben was uh, was carrying a little bit of hip injury, uh, and he had a problem with that for a long time. I think and keep recurring. Uh, so we've been managing him the past month or so. He couldn't start certain game. He started at Plymouth, and then he didn't start at Berry. He just physical physically, and uh, we we couldn't start him at Berry because he was uh, the same injury stopped him. And he was uh, that week off probably gave him uh, the chance to put his body back together and back in against MK Dons. Ben Kennedy is fantastic talent, as we all know. Uh, he loves those big games. He's a big game player, I call. And I knew the minute he put the ball down, he's going to put it to the back of the net because he was fantastic throughout the games where I think he caused a problem uh, from minute one. And uh, he deserved his goal because he's worked very hard for it. I think any team, Dino, that, that beats MK Dons this season is going to make other teams sit up and take notice. Um, as you mentioned, that, that win puts you just one point off third spot in eighth position at the moment after 19 games. You said you're overachieving, but now, you know, getting towards the end of November into the business end of the season, what are the expectations for you and the club going forward? Well, to be successful from day one taking this job, a Stevenage football club, to be successful, we've got to overachieve. I think we are 16th, 17th in the league budget. Our, uh, our attendance is 21st in the league. Uh, we are a small club, uh, but we embrace that. Uh, and, uh, and what we are, we close knit. We do things properly. Uh, we fight for each other and uh, and yes we are a new team like I said 17 new players in it's a work in progress uh, uh, but we started uh, we started brilliant like I said uh, it's not uh, if you look at the league table and look at a lot of teams that have been there together for a long time we're the only team that is transition period where we brought 19 players out the door 17 players in and uh, and we still managed to pick up the results and, uh, that we picked and, uh, and I think when we hit January when, we, when the team will get a little bit more cohesion into it, uh, with one or two addition, I think would be fantastic second half of the season. Our ambition is that we just focus on the next game, really. Uh, it, it's uh, Like I said, it's, uh, we focus on the process. Uh, we keep instilling certain habits with the ball and without the ball. And, uh, and, and we can only get better. And, uh, but it's a good start for us. 19 games in, we are where we are. We're happy with that. But we're not going to sit on that. We, uh, we, we, will get, we will get improved. We will get better, sorry. And, and looking at the teams that you've done well against this season, obviously you've beaten MK Dons, uh, you've beaten Colchester, you've taken points off Tranmere, uh, Forest Green, some of the strongest teams in the league. Why do you think it is your players are able to step up against the more fancy teams and put in such good performances? Well, I 
think it's a challenge for us. I think uh, if we see this about our ambition, we've got to do it against these teams. And next team is going to come home. It's going to be Lincoln City. So that's another game we look forward to. But we've got Swindon before for tomorrow night. Uh, it's, uh, it's just we, we take it one game at a time. And every game is a different, different challenge. At home will be very, very good. Uh, if we try and improve our way performance a little bit, and I think we'll be in a better position. Uh, but there is no secret to that. We've got uh, a decent squad of player, players. We haven't got enough depth in the squad. But if I keep those players fit, I think we'll be fine. Thank you very much for joining us, uh, our team of the week uh, from the weekend ZFL action. Stevenage after a fantastic win against MK Dons on Saturday. Best of luck against Swindon on Tuesday night and thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. 